When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt back here again with Mike K for the latest episode of the No Huddle Show. There was some pretty big news that we needed to unpack. Uh, we would have done it sooner, but as you guys are probably aware by now, I covered the Giants and one of their players decided to go and get arrested, which always happens at the worst times. Um, it's never a good time to get arrested, I guess. But <laughs> anyway, um, so we're, we're here now. We wanted to break down Brandon Brooks suffering another Achilles injury, this time on the other Achilles, not the one that he injured against the Saints in 2018. He'll likely miss the whole season. Uh, just off the top, like this, like the first initial reaction is that it's devastating for a guy. I mean, he's going to handle it better than the fan base is because he's just that's the way he's wired. But just devastating for maybe a guy who was the best guard in the NFL last year by most metrics. If you look at Pro Football Focus, um, he like worked back from that injury. He didn't miss a beat. Uh, he got hurt again at the end of the year. He was recover. I think he was recovering from that or recovered. Yeah. He looked. He looked like he was in amazing shape. If you look at the videos of him doing jujitsu, like he just looks like he's in ridiculous shape. Not even an offensive lineman, almost. Um, and then he suffered a torn Achilles when he was working out on the Novacare practice field. It might have been the first day it opened up, or a couple of days after it opened up. But what, what, what? When you heard the news and saw it, and I, th- I think Derek Gunn was the first to report, and then and then Brooks confirmed it. Um, what, what was your reaction? Well, it's awful because you know he's working with the new strength staff um you know he's only able to be at the facility because he's injured and he's rehabbing a dislocated shoulder surgery so to come in when he's in great shape he's been working uh he's been practicing jujitsu in the off season and he looks like drax from from uh yeah uh, guardians of the galaxy like he is cut and so um, I was talking to Trey Thomas about this, who's his next door neighbor, and he's like, "Yeah, he was hitting the rehab very hard because that's the only speed he really knows." Like, this is a guy who came back from an Achilles injury in eight months, uh, you know, which is very, very impressive. Typically, Achilles injuries take roughly ten months, uh, which is why we can pretty much rule him out for the rest of the season, even if he makes another miraculous recovery. Recovery. Uh, I also learned that if you tear your Achilles in your right leg let's say you're very likely to tear the Achilles in the left leg I think it's from like a like a balance standpoint so um you know and I imagine that's especially true for a big guy too right right yeah I mean this these this is the injury that happens to the big guys pretty often nowadays Jason Peters I think has had two or three of these injuries um but you know the thing is he just signed a massive contract extension. Yep. I think it was for like $54.2 million, And he got $30 million in, in new guaranteed money. So he's kind of protected. He's going to be on the roster probably until 2022, actually, um, with all the guaranteed money that's protected for injury. Um, and look, he, like you said, I think thought he was, over the last three years, in my opinion, he has been the most complete guard in the entire NFL. 
uh, by most metrics. I mean, I, I think Quentin Nelson's maybe the only guy who gives him a run for his money. Um, he's also, I, I don't want to speak for both of us, but I, I, I think he's probably the guy I look forward to talking to in the locker room the most. Well, yeah, yeah, because he, he talks to you like a person as opposed to like someone who's interviewing him. He'll, and he'll throw curse words in there. Like he just, and you can you can shoot the breeze with him about basketball. He loves the NBA. Like, yeah, he's for sure a media favorite, which is, you, you can you can tell who the media favorites are based on the way they react when a guy like him gets hurt. When everybody starts like saying how bad they feel for him. Like if, if it's a guy that they don't love, you don't see as much of like the emotion attached to it. And I, I think... I think we like him not just as a player. I think we like him as a person. And I think that that's kind of where it comes from too. Uh, you know, he's also so transparent, which yep. especially yeah, he, he tweeted out exactly how it happened. Actually, I'll read the tweet right now before you keep going. Um, he said, I've noticed a lot of people wondering how it happened. So let me be clear. I was doing 60 yard shuttles and on seven out of eight, I went to touch the line, push off and pop. That being said, the work doesn't stop because of an injury. The direction I'll continue to move is forward. All love. Uh, and that, that just like makes me think of the way he was reacting. Like when he came back from that injury and everybody was like, like how'd you handle that? Like we're blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, what, what the F am I supposed to do? I'm not going to be woe as me. I'm just going to bust my butt to get back. Like he, he like just did not understand why anybody would even question him for like like the motivation or whatever. But I mean, I, like he, he's just wired a different way. He just, he's, there was just a video posted today that he's already yeah. taking part in jujitsu with a boot yeah. on. Like, is that, guy, is that a great idea? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But like, there was a guy, um, one of like the well-known like Twitter reporters or whatever, but he's not like an actual reporter gave him criticism for skipping out on a game because he had like, oh, you know, a bit of a, of a, an anxiety attack and said, oh, I'm not, he's yeah. lost my all pro vote. Bro, first oh off, God. you don't have an all-pro boat. Uh, second, like, if you're going to question this guy's toughness, like, I just, or his character, or his drive, like, I just, Brandon Brooks, to me, is an all-pro person, and he should pro- should have probably been an all-pro player last year. I, yeah. I mean, and also, if you remember, that anxiety attack came right after he got the contract because he was putting pressure on himself. Right. I mean, so... You know, with that said, let's let's kind of look at that. Speaking of pressure, the pressure's now on the Eagles to find his replacement. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's one thing to look for a replacement right guard. It's another thing to replace a Pro Bowl right guard and probably one of the more consistent players on your team. Outside of maybe Jason Kelsey and Carson Wentz, Brandon Brooks is probably the best player on offense. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that I mean, like, that's the reality of the situation, but they do need to move on. They're actually somewhat lucky that it happened now because then they can get a guy in for a full training camp and let him be that dude. Yeah. You know, I, I saw another reporter say this. I forget who it was. It might've been the guys at the athletic um, that like, it's not like a devastating loss necessarily. Like the Eagles can still probably achieve what they wanted to, but it puts them like one more offensive line injury from being in like very serious trouble. Right. And already, you know, you know, they left tackle is a big question mark right now. Um, and this just adds another question to right guard. Like, so, you know, I, I know they're high on Matt Pryor. They like that Jack Driscoll kid to, to expect a rookie to come in and start is kind of ridiculous, especially at that important position. But I guess unless he has a really good kid, who knows? Um, so we can get into this now. Like the big reaction, like the big immediate reaction was, oh, they, they're, they're just going to bring Jason Peters back and move him to guard. Um, I, it's, my, my first reaction was that's ridiculous. I don't see a 38-year-old who has been adamant that he won. I know he's said he's willing to move elsewhere, but I think he's pretty adamant about being a left tackle. 
and he's probably better than your left tackle currently. So I just don't see how that would check out. I know you talked to a couple experts, like what, what, uh, what was their thought on like a guy moving from a position he's played his whole career to the opposite side and a different position? Yeah, I talked to Trey Thomas, who you guys all know was the starting left tackle for over a decade before Jason Peters got here. And he said, just from from understanding the position, it's very difficult to not only just move to the right side, but mo- then move inside to guard. So you're not only asking him to go from a left-handed stance to a right-handed stance, but you're then asking him to also move inside to guard where you're blocking in an elevator And, you know, this is going to be a very uh, questionable training camp. Like, we don't even know if training camp will start on time. We don't know what the length of training camp will be. We don't know what the practices will be like because of the coronavirus pandemic. You're going to ask a guy who's been a left tackle for 15 years to then move in to not only a different position, but a different side of the line. And it just doesn't make a lot of sense. We talked to Duke Manyweather, who runs offensive mastermind, offensive line masterminds with uh, Lane Johnson, that summit that they have. And he he just trains offensive linemen in general. Like he trained uh, Makai Becton coming into the draft, for example. Right. He also worked with Brandon Brooks as well. So like, I mean, he's, he's probably the, the, one of the more notable offensive line trainers in the country. Yeah. Um, based out of Dallas, based out of Dallas. Yeah. So um, I spoke to him and he goes, it's kind of beneath Jason Peters to do this. Like, yeah. you know, while he wants to be a team player to move to right guard and then you're, you're potentially messing up with your legacy. Like this guy's better, like you said, better than Andre Dillard, excuse me, better than Andre Dillard at left tackle. Like at this point, why is he going to take the right guard job when he knows he can do the left tackle job better than better than the guy that's there? Um, probably on a take. I mean, take I mean and, well. they, and they might have been considering Peters to replace Dillard anyway, and so this almost like complicates it because now it would almost make Dillard look even worse that they just didn't trust him enough to like even let him keep that job when they could have moved somewhere. somewhere. Like he's not going to be the right guard, that's for sure. Well, and I've seen people do mental gymnastics where they're like, "Well, Jason Peters could move." come inside and play left guard and then they can move Isaac Samuel. Well, then you're right moving guard. everybody. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Right. Yeah. I mean, granted you're doing it before the start of training camp yeah. which is a little bit better, but like Isaac Samuel to me is a left guard. He's not a right guard. He's a left and guard. He played pretty, and he played pretty well. He finally like settled in last year. Like don't move him around again. Right. And you know, I, I get it. You have Jason Peters out there to kind of protect Dillard at left guard, but like, I just don't see that. Like that's just not a smart strategy in my opinion. The thing is, uh, and I talked to Trey Thomas, I talked to, to Duke Manyweather about this. All three of us are on board the Matt Pryor train if they do decide to go internal. Jack Driscoll played right tackle at Auburn for the last few years. He could probably play right guard. He does project as an interior offensive lineman. But without any field work during the offseason program, and now you're having him come to a, a, a training camp of unknowns, it just like you said, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The, uh, the 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 kind of the sleeper, the dark horse of the group is Nate Herbig, who's a career right guard at Stanford, uh, even though he was taught to play center last year. He could be a guy that maybe sneaks up if Matt Pryor doesn't deliver. Or, or Sue Opetta, who was going to get picked up by another team and they blocked it, so they clearly like him too. Yeah, he's a guy who played tackle in college, but played guard for the most part during the preseason training camp, and he looked pretty good. Um you know, we could talk about the outside options. Larry Warford's the guy that everybody wants to talk about. 
He's been a pro bowler the last three years, like Brandon Brooks for the Saints. They cut him because they drafted uh, his replacement. In, uh, Cesar Ruiz, yeah. Cesar Ruiz, uh, Jersey boy. Yeah, New Jersey, uh, Cesar Ruiz. Yeah. Uh, N, you mean N dot J, J dot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so he, uh, the the outlook for him is still very good. The problem is I don't think the Eagles want to spend the money to bring him in. Yeah. He was making 7 million last year. I would guarantee you that they probably don't want to go over 4 million to sign Brooks's replacement. They do like Matt Pryor. Maybe they want to see what Matt Pryor has before they bring in somebody. Uh, Ronald Leary is another guy that makes sense. He's got a rich Gangarello background. Rich Gangarello is obviously their new senior offensive assistant. Um, had some concussion issues last year, but he started 12 games at right guard. Uh, he's sturdy. He, you know what you're getting in him. Maybe you bring him in to compete with Pryor, and you don't maybe you maybe sign him to like a two million dollar deal that's not guaranteed, and maybe you have them compete. Um, there's a guy like Josh Klein who was the starting right guard for the Vikings last year. He's also a guy that kind of makes sense from a cheap standpoint. Uh, I do think they need to bring in a veteran because if you are going to have Matt Pryor start, you, you don't really have much behind him as far as experience goes. Yeah. You got Herbig, who played maybe a little bit last year. Sua didn't really play. Uh, Jordan Milata, we know. We don't have to say it again. He's Actually, we should. He's never played a meaningful game of football in his life. Yeah. Uh, they have, uh, you know... Luke Jeriga, who they signed, who's a center, an undrafted center. Julian Good-Jones, who, who's an undrafted center. They're hoping that he can be a Julian Great-Jones. Uh, credit to uh, Bo Wolf from The of Athletic course. for that joke. <laughs> uh, you know, they're, it, it, like, it, it's just not optimal. And, and we talked about it last year. They didn't really have a lot of experience backing up the O-line last year, and they somewhat paid for it when Brooks had his anxiety attack and Lane Johnson went down. But they had Big V, and Big V could move around. They don't have Big V anymore. They don't have a guy who's got that experience and that versatility to kind of move around the line. They are really one injury away from, you know, full-on panic mode. The offensive line can still be good with Matt Pryor right guard. The problem is if Jason Kelsey gets injured or Isaac Samalu gets injured or you know, Lane Johnson gets injured or Andre Diller doesn't work out, you're screwed um, if one of those things happens. So uh, they do need to bring in a veteran, I think. Uh, I've been a, a, an advocate for a veteran swing tackle behind Andre Diller to begin with. Um, now they definitely need a veteran guard to be added to the mix. Yeah, I, I think my gut is that they stick with the incumbent guys, but you're right. They at least need to bring in somebody to compete with them to be like a, a better backup. And then if that guy's not that good, then... You, you just rely on the young guys. Um, I'd say the only reason you would, you would in reality get Larry Warford, I feel like is if you, like he's only 29. So like in theory, you know, you could sign him and try and keep him around longer than this year and have him as a part of your line for when Brooks comes back and then you can move Sayamalo to be Kelsey's replacement. Like I could see that being like a reasoning, but like you mentioned, like they just don't, especially with the salary cap likely going down next year, I think they could still like maneuver and restructure some contracts, but then it's like, you want to you want to roll over as much cap as you can, and if they are burning another five million dollars to get a stopgap solution at guard, even if he's a pro bowler, and you know maybe he can make a difference. Like I, I don't know if right guard is the spot you want to do that at. Maybe defensive end would be the one or something like that. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, while the league is kind of telling you how they value guys like Jadavian Clowney and Logan Ryan, the guard market is still pretty, pretty thick. You know what I mean? And so, like, guys are just waiting out to, to get money. Like, if I'm Warford, I don't want a multi-year deal. I want a one-year deal so I can hit free agency again when I'm 30 and repair my value. Um, but, again, like... This is a situation where the Eagles need to at least make a move. And Doug Peterson was on WIP on Wednesday morning and essentially said, you know, outside of maybe finding somebody to replace Brooks or somebody to bring into the offensive line, this is probably the roster that they're going to bring in uh, to training camp. Uh, He also said that that a running back that they wanted slipped through their fingers. I think it's pretty obvious that it was Carlos Hyde who signed with the Seahawks for a $2.75 million deal. So it was like, I, like I had reported several times, they did not want to pay a running back. Um, it also seems like they are not really all that interested in LaShawn McCoy as much as he publicly uh, decrees for them to have a reunion. Um, but speaking of Peterson, I kind of wanted to get in with you on, on his, he, he did a conference call or a, I guess a zoom call the other day is what you would call it. Um, it was a packed house. I got the last question in uh, about Jalen Hurts, who he says that he is extreme. He's been pretty impressed by the the uh, second round rookie. Uh, Press Taylor has him leading virtual huddles, and apparently his ability to recall and recite plays is very, very good. They just are they play. playing Madden? Is that what that means? I, I mean, I don't really, I, I didn't really understand what he meant. I'm wondering, if, I'm wondering if it's like the huddle is like all the screens of everybody, and he, and then he has to clap his hands, and then they break off, uh, you know, from the huddle. But uh, apparently, he's been doing pretty well there. Um, another takeaway from a major rookie, first round pick, Jalen Rager, uh, as I've pretty much assumed the entire time, and we've talked about it several times, he's going to play one position heading into camp. Without the field work this offseason, you kind of want to take baby steps with him. Um, I thought the hype for him was a little kind of ridiculous, so I'd pump the brakes on that. You know, Doug Peterson views him as a guy that is going to probably learn from Deshaun Jackson. Both of them project well as the Z receiver, the receiver who has space to before they run, is not going to face press coverage very often. He's the speedster wide receiver. Um, I think... Then he also said, as I've mentioned before, that all of their guys, including Rager, can move inside to the slot. So they want to see what Rager can retain and do at that Z position behind Deshaun Jackson, who will be their number one wide receiver of healthy. And then they might move him inside. Uh, I think you and I talked about on the last podcast. I just. Look, JJ is going to start at the exposition, whether you like it or not. He's the most prototypically sized uh guy to play that position the position that alshon jeffrey plays and alshon jeffrey is probably going to start on pup then you have deshaun jackson who's going to start at z and then it's going to be either rager marquise goodwin or greg ward in the slot um and all three of those guys should receive time anyway um so that's a situation that bears watching but speaking of alshon jeffrey as I go on this rant, uh, Doug Peterson was again adamant that he's going to be part of the plan. He's been taking part in the offseason program, uh, having good conversations with the younger players. I think the Eagles are smart to not tip their hand because you're going to pay him regardless of if you trade him or not. So, and that, by the way, that's the only way this goes down. They are not cutting him. So they're either going to get value 
or they're going to stick to this guy. And unfortunately, I think the only way you're going to get value is if the Indianapolis Colts are like heavy in the playoff race in the middle of October and Mike Rowe and Frank Reich tell Chris Ballard, hey, man, we, we need this guy. Um, they have plenty of cap space to get it done. Let's just toss, you know, a six round pick to the Eagles. Yeah, I think I think Jeffrey being his most expendable during a pandemic couldn't have been like worse timing also. Because teams are if any team was interested in him, they were gonna have to get a physical with him. And, and I guess they could now in theory, but I think his stock has just gotten so low that they almost it almost doesn't make sense but to keep him. Because the reality is I mean, at least on the roster for now or whatever, until you maybe release him during the season or something. I don't know. Cause just the amount of money they'd have to pay for releasing him just isn't worth it really. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the, it would be a league record cap, uh, dead money cap hit. It's just not, it's it, like, I just don't see how he has been doing that. I also don't think it really pays to do that. You're paying him anyway. Yeah. It's some sort of contribution. If he's going to be a good trooper, because he believe me, like he knows. That hey, hey now he can social distance from all the player, all the quarterbacks or whatever. Oh, nice. So, right. well done. <laughs> but like, here's the thing: like, realistically, if you're Alshon Jeffrey uh, and you think this is going to be your last year, and you're getting essentially, uh, you know, a ten million dollar um, insurance policy here for your injury, whether you come back or not, you want to put your best foot forward. No pun intended. To about his surgically repaired foot. Um, Thanks for it, explaining the pun to everybody. The people love it when you explain a pun. Yeah, well, unlike my father, um, <laughs> I'm my father's son. Uh, That's I would hope so. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we haven't taken the test yet, but uh, whatever. Anyway, um, he is not the father. Uh, yeah, that'd be weird. I'm 32 now. Like, it's, <laughs> you just find that out. Yeah, yeah. that'd be tough. Uh, <laughs> now that's a that's a that's like an SNL sketch. I feel like, but um, anyway, my point. It being is Alshon Jeffrey has every reason to have a good season in front of the camera and behind the scenes uh, because if he wants to get another big contract or another role somewhere else or if he wants to stick around here who, who knows he's got to just do right by himself by doing right by the team and his teammates and it seems like that's what he's doing according to Doug Peterson um, another interesting takeaway from his conversation was you know you and I always like joke about how tight the, the locker room is at the Novacare complex. And so we're all talking about social distancing. It's impossible to social distance in that, in that locker room, like uh, impossible, like unless you go 10 players at a time and then, yeah, which is probably what they would have to do. I would imagine. Right. And I don't even know if you could really do that because doesn't stuff linger in the air too. Like your breathe, like who knows? So anyway, one of the solutions (laughs) that, uh, Doug brought up was practicing over at the Novacare complex where they have several locker rooms and all the locker rooms. Are you mean, free. you mean at the link, you mean at the link, what did I say? You said the Novacare complex. Yeah. Sorry. I'm so used to saying that. Uh, yeah. At the link and you know, it's not going to, they're not going to have as much field space, but you know, you can go in the locker room and you have enough distance to where if you put some guys in the visitor's locker room, some of the guys maybe in the temple locker room, I don't know if they use the Eagles locker room too, but like I'm sure they have at least three locker rooms in there because there's a referee locker room as well. So, uh, you know, or maybe guys get changed up in the suites or something. You know what I mean? Like something like of that. Yeah, and, and 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 like jumping off that, like one of the things that I think about is like Doug Peterson's a big motivational speech guy. It's kind of hard to do that if you can't have everybody in the room at the same time. Yeah, I mean, well, you, you know, everybody sees when we do press conferences at the Novacare Complex. That's also their film room. 
So yeah. like the special teams meetings are in there and there's absolutely no way you can host, you know, 90 to 60 to 90 guys in that room right yeah. now. I mean, but as I'm sure Doug pointed out, and as all coaches do, they're like, we're not the only ones dealing with this. So everybody's at the same disadvantage at least, which I guess is a positive way to look at it. But I think, you know, it's, that's going to be one of the, if whether the season goes all the way through or not, um, that's, I think that's going to be one of the weirdest parts. Like it's going to be hard for them to coach guys up. Yeah, like like tradition, like they traditionally would at least. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're trying to stay positive here, but I mean, it's just hard to imagine. You know, there's there's a chance where journalists aren't able to cover training camp. Like that, yeah. that's the reality of the situation. And as we get further or, or closer and closer to July, it's just it's worrisome. I mean, you, you know, once you get past training camp, like I, I would be surprised if all four preseason games happen that's that's where i'm at right now yeah well wasn't there some talk of them reducing it yeah to two which i think makes sense anyway and i actually think the league is going to 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 really be paying attention to all of the different stipulations that they have regarding media and the preseason because it seems like they might want to do that long term anyway if you know what i mean so yeah yeah one thing i saw Albert Breer uh, reported that he said some some owners around the league want the season to start in October, um, like push it back all the way to October, which, I mean, if you listen to like some of the doctors, it sounds like October might be another uh, wave of <laughs> positive tests and stuff. So uh, th- there's just like, again, that's the that's the hard part about talking about, like we're trying to talk about it as if the season's going to start on time and, and everything will go according to plan. But, you know, I, as I, I reported the other day, um, there was a call with agents and the NFLPA. And to me, like just hearing the way they were describing everything, like I didn't come out of that, out of that like conversation I had with some people thinking that um, it's like a guarantee that everything's going to go smoothly. You know, they're talking about how they're going to be tested three times a week. Um, you know, as the doctor, Tom Mayer, I think his name is, he said that it's a contact disease and a contact sport, which I think is like the most simple way of putting it. Like, football more than just about any other sport really i mean basketball they get close together but it's not as much like contact as football where you're in order to do your job you have to touch another person and it's not like they're all wearing gloves out there and wearing and you know i'm sure they're going to try and come up with some mask thing i don't think it's going to work and like there's just so many unknown things that all we can do is just pretend like it's going to go according to plan and then when it doesn't kind of react from there but you know i I don't even know how how it, how this the season's going to look and it's kind of hard to imagine like this is going to we're going to look back on this year as the maybe the strangest NFL history at least in our lifetime. Well, it's definitely the strangest year in general life that I've Yeah, been. that's very true. Yes, you know? also the strangest year in general in our life, but, but yeah, when you like look at like cuz it's there are going to be weird numbers, there're going to be some weird stats, there's going to be a lot of asterisks on this season like when you look at the encyclopedias about this NFL season and sports in general this year. Like it's it's going to be like man, remember when that happened? Like that was crazy. Yeah, I mean, like you look at what they're doing with the NBA season, like I made a joke earlier, apparently they're filming like everything in the Orlando bubble. And I'm like, coming in 2040, the uh, the first dance that the, 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 the I was like just behind the scenes. Of everything, yeah, the 2019-20 like, uh, well, like Pelicans. See, that, that bubble is going to fail miserably, I think. Like if you just look at the guidelines they sent out, there was things like you can play ping pong, but don't play doubles and make sure you're six feet apart. And you can play cards, but you have to throw the cards away after you're done. We're going to provide the cards for you. And, uh, you know, we're going to open up some rides and uh, there's going to be some entertainment and some DJs. Like, maybe you guys should have focused on like getting through the first two weeks 
before he did all that stuff. <laughs> like yeah. quarantine everybody for two weeks where they can't see anybody and then do all that. Like, like I just, you know, uh, I got nothing. <laughs> I really do. Like it, it's, it, it's so weird. I, it's, I mean, I, I hope it works as I love the NBA and the playoffs are always a blast, especially this year where I think it's pretty wide open, but I'm not, I'm less confident. I'm more confident the NFL starts on time than that. The NBA finishes the playoffs is what I'll say. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's a fair bet. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you wanted to hit before we wrap up here? Um, you know, you got me to watch Fleabag on Amazon. You got me to watch Succession, Succession on um, HBO. HBO. Uh, good recommendations. I, in turn, recommend them. Uh, Love Life on HBO Max. Very good. Anna Kendrick is very good. Good show to watch with your significant other you'll enjoy it. It's actually very, very like realistic. It's not very Hollywoodized. I actually really appreciated that. So yeah, that's, that's what's going on. I, yeah, I just finished this show uh, called Rami on uh, Hulu. It's with this, uh, comedian. it's about this Muslim American comedian named Rami, uh, forget his last name in real life. Uh, but I, I would compare it to like a master of none crossed with like Atlanta. It's just like a really good, like slice of life from a, from a guy who has a much different experience than us. And like the, like the things he goes through as a Muslim who's who's a practicing Muslim and the struggles of like staying with that and has has some uh, famous actors that appear in it and stuff, but highly recommend that. Only twenty episodes, I believe. So it's a great right. show. Um, all right, yeah, we can wrap up on that note. Uh, as always, make sure you subscribe to Mike's uh, Eagles Extra. You know, he's still sending out some texts on there. Send us some questions. Uh, maybe if nothing crazy happens, we'll do another mailbag soon. Sounds good to me. Right, later, guys.